there. I'm Ankush. I'm founder at Eventable.com, the world's first review platform. Today, I have with me Victoria Meti of Meti Events. Uh, hi, Victoria. Hello. Victoria is an event planner uh, turned event consultant, author, speaker, and content creator. Her specialty and what we will be learning about today uh, is the application of scientific findings on human behavior and psychology to event design. Um, you know, getting into your attendees' heads at a time like this, where there is so much change going on, has got to be invaluable. Uh, so keep watching as we unravel some fascinating layers of event psychology and how that can help you design better event experiences. Thanks for joining in, Victoria. Thank you for having me. Victoria, uh, quickly, before we begin, uh, you know, we are now at an interesting time where we've seen the rise and rise of virtual events as the pandemic took hold. Uh, and, you know, and then came the Zoom fatigue. And now mm -hmm. after all the mass vaccination programs around the world, we're talking about reopening and going back to in-person events. How have you, you know, sort of been processing all this? Um, you know, it's um, obviously, you know, the requirements and expectations change uh, at rapid pace right now. And moreover, the level of uncertainty is very high right now. So I think the event planners, me including, have to deliver and to deal with, you know, things under pretty tough conditions. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we know that the budgets got smaller uh, mm -hmm. The teams uh, lost their members, and mm -hmm. overall, the burnout and stress are those limiting factors when it comes to um, improving the quality of the event or creating out-of-the-box solutions, right? So, yeah. and I think that this is yet another reason why it's critical for event planners to mm -hmm. um, embrace approaches that work better under these new circumstances and those approaches that can help solve all these challenges at once, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah so I think so. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's true, Victoria. I agree with that. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, for everybody watching, uh, we can just jump into, um, you know, learning more about how you came, uh, you know, to be in the field of event psychology. Mm -hmm. I find it really fascinating, uh, you know, and I've read so many of your interviews and articles and, you know, I just can't get mm -hmm. enough of it. So let's just, uh, you know, sort of jump in there and, uh, you know, see uh, uh, and explain to our audience mm -hmm. that's watching, you know, what are some of the things that they can take away. Yes, of course. That would be my pleasure. Well, you know what? It just started. It's interesting. At my first university, I studied psychology as a side field, and mm -hmm. I wrote a thesis on uh, cognitive linguistics, combining mm -hmm. two disciplines. And since then, uh, and during my time at work in events, I've been researching and reading a lot about psychology and neuroscience. And mm -hmm. somewhere along the way, I got this insight um, that events uh, is the most people's business ever, meaning mm -hmm. that it's all about how we think, learn, communicate, oh, yeah. <clears throat> and mm -hmm. that if we understand people better, that is yeah, how they make decisions, right? And yeah. what drives their actions. Uh, we would be able to uh, fine tune our practices based on solid science and on solid yeah. proof rather than just gut feeling, right? Yeah. And I uh, started doing what I call translation from the science language to events language. Mm 
Mm -hmm. And I'm researching behavioral science concepts and tools and analyze how they can be used by event planners and um, event industry partners to solve challenges that uh, they may face. Uh, And what I love uh, about it is that it provides us with creative and often low-cost solutions. Right. No, I think, uh, you know, neuromarketing itself is attracting so much interest from marketers today. Uh, you know, and I think this is a really great niche, um, you know, to really apply mm-hmm. uh, these principles to event marketing and see how you can, you know, design better events mm-hmm. and a better experience for attendees. Um, you know, so so I'm all ears, um, you know, is are, are you going to share something with us? Yes, uh, yes, I actually, yeah, I do have uh, something to show. Mm-hmm. I wanted to share some uh, quick tips and uh, let me just start this. So, um you know, as I said, uh, I, I've been doing the uh, uh, consulting and teaching on event psychology for a while right now. And mm-hmm. what I want to highlight again is that if you want to increase attendance and make the learning more effective, or if you want to make the experiences more memorable and engaging, you need to understand how how it works inside our minds. Because, um, you know, experiences happen inside our heads, right? Not our outside and uh, with uh, all the information overload that we have. By some estimates, by the way, adults are exposed to around 3,000 messages a day on average. Can you imagine that? Wow, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just unbelievable, right? I think, you know, uh, one of the one of the words I heard sometime back to describe it is like content shock. (laughs) We are living in a world of, you know, there's just so, so much. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's that's great definition. Plus, you know, all the fatigue, both from online Mm -hmm. and offline that we have, distractions, now restrictions of all kinds. So with all that, how do you make people decide in your favor, buy Mm -hmm. a ticket or show up for a free event or promote the event within their network? How do you Mm -hmm. convince them to come back? Um, how do you impress them? How do you make them focus? Or mm-hmm. How do you prevent non-helpful behavior and guide people in the right direction? Right, so, right. And this is where understanding how people think and behave is critical. Mm-hmm. Even some basic understanding and knowledge can produce amazing results. And yeah. that is why I'm helping event planners and event tech providers apply such knowledge to um, the event planning practices and services. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, as I said, you know, I teach and speak about what I call event psychology. Yeah. So now let me share uh, a few examples of how how uh, event psychology and scientific insights on human behavior can sure. make a huge difference. So yeah. my uh, my first example is about um, adding breaks to the event agenda. Mm-hmm. I uh, regularly review event concepts and agendas, and I've been arguing for adding breaks uh, to the agenda like since forever, you know. Um, yeah. But Somehow, it's not a common practice yet. Uh, I mean, things are better now since the pandemic changed everything. We went online and people realized how bad Zoom fatigue is for their events. But I was uh, recently reviewing uh, the online agenda for the client and Mm -hmm. I noticed that once again, there were no breaks. And the client argued that the event was only three hours long. But to me, it only proved that they are not aware of how brains work and what a devastating effect 
not taking breaks can have on attendees learning, satisfaction, mm -hmm. and consequently on their decision to return. And I and I'll also I'm sure uh, you know Victoria that this has also got to do with the attention span, right? Your attention span has to be limited. You can't uh, just keep keep sitting in a room for three hours, and you know uh, most people absolutely. Would just and I mean, you know, we we had this problem before the pandemic, but the mm -hmm. pandemic just highlighted it, you know, and brought it to a new level because yeah. people realized that it's it's real, you know, the problem is real. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, somehow what I see is that it's not. It's not, as I said, you know, it's not a common practice yet. But right. um, if the organizers, uh, the event organizers knew what some mm -hmm. studies showed, they would have added breaks long ago. And just let me show you how science and studies back it up. Uh, this mm -hmm. is the latest research by Microsoft. You, you see the, the, um, the screenshot from, um, from the study, uh, from the research, and it, literally shows what happens in our brains during non-stop virtual meetings. Without mm -hmm. a break, people are doomed to get more yep. stressed and lose focus. Taking mm -hmm. breaks improves engagement and concentration significantly, as you can wow, see. Wow, that's a, that's a huge... Uh, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But moreover, it doesn't cost you a lot to make such a tiny change, right? Mm -hmm. But it does have a huge impact on the event outcomes. Yeah. Um, the second example uh, is about post-event communications. And this mm -hmm. is the study results uh, in which people were asked personality test questions on the Likert scale. And mm -hmm. at the same time, their non-conscious reactions were measured. And yep. as you can see, it's amazing that it's clear that what they say and, uh, you know, in reply to the questions and how they really feel about the questions don't match. So a variety of other studies demonstrate how careful we should be about market research and surveys and so on. It has to do with how our memory works too, because people remember on average only 10% of the information they consume after 48 hours. So, um, you know, we need to take that into account when we, mm -hmm. when, when we ask questions on post, yeah. post event, right? We also yeah. try to remember better what happens at the end of the experience. That Correct. something that we also need to consider. Yes. And so it's really important to know when and what questions to ask to get mm -hmm. the answers that you can draw on. Right. The lack of such knowledge leaves you in the dark and sending out post-event surveys, um, you know, doesn't really help because you may collect mm -hmm. answers, but mm -hmm. their reliability will be questionable. And right. anyway, you know, another quest is to get those answers because, you know, people are hesitant to share feedback. So mm -hmm. you have to be creative to persuade them and to right. know how to do that, right? And I can give one science-based tip that is extremely helpful and extremely simple and mm -hmm. proven to be effective. You just change the word survey to word mm -hmm. advice. Mm -hmm. See, because, um, yeah, I mean, just this tiny change increases the quality of the feedback because the studies show that uh, people feel more uh, like on the same uh, level of expertise with mm -hmm. those who ask those questions and yep. they feel like they're special because they are asked for advice. And this is yep. how they, uh, they are more likely to provide the quality feedback. But that's very interesting. Uh, you know, I think I'm going to, in fact, make a note of that and probably try that out uh, for our own platform. Yes, right? yes. That never occurred to me. Yeah. 
Yeah, please do. And we can discuss it afterwards, you know, the results and yeah, yeah, yeah. how that affect the, the, the outcomes. Yeah. And um, the third example is about social proof concept. Mm-hmm. And I have this funny, uh, you know, picture here. But actually, you know, there was uh, one interesting experiment run in uh, 1968 by uh, psychologists Milgram, Bickman, and Berkowitz. They conducted mm-hmm. a study which was later called the Street Corner Experiment. So first, right. they, they asked one person to stand on a street corner and mm-hmm. stare at the sky for 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. Most of passersby ignored him. Then researchers repeated the experiment with five mm-hmm. men. When five men gazed at the sky, 18% of passersby also looked up. Wow. When the researchers asked uh, 15 people to look um, in the sky upwards, 45% more pedestrians stopped to join them. Can you imagine? So this is one of uh, a number of uh, experiments that demonstrated the power of social proof. And Mm -hmm. I can say that um, this is the most researched behavioral bias, uh, which shows that we uh, look to others to validate our behavior, especially Mm -hmm. if we are in a situation of uncertainty, which is, again, very valid these days, you know. (laughs) And uh, social proof is a super powerful concept. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure you encounter it, um, you know, almost on an everyday basis, right? Every day, yes. Yeah, I mean, we all are encountering it. Um, Mm -hmm. So I, I think marketers have been using it for long and some event organizers too, Mm-hmm. But still, it has been more of a, again, gut feeling based usage than intentional application. And right. until today, uh, there were not uh, smart tools and platforms like the ones that we have today. So I think now it's uh, the time to start using it and be more intentional about it. Because mm-hmm. if done right, it can be a powerful tool for promoting and um, enticing the audience to your event. Mm-hmm. And it's great, you know, it's great to see that Eventable gives such an opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of uh, such tools yet. So uh, these are my three examples of how some event challenges can be solved with some yeah. tools. And again, as I said, you know, I work with both event planners and providers on a variety of things. And mm-hmm. I also have um, the online course on event psychology mm-hmm. that covers uh, most some most interesting behavioral science concepts and sure. includes practical recommendations and examples um, of how the scientific insights can be applied. So right. I encourage, you know, um, our uh, listeners uh, visit meti.events for resources and also mm-hmm. eventpsychology.scientific.com for the online course. And if mm-hmm. you have any questions, just do get in touch. I'd be yeah. happy to help. Awesome. Uh, thanks, Victoria. I think, you know, that really gave like a sneak peek or like a window, uh, you know, into what event psychology is, how it works, how you can really start to design better event experiences. Uh, and, I, you know, I'm sure that this is just the tip of the iceberg and yeah. that, you know, there is uh, there is so much, so much more. Um, you know, unfortunately, um, we just don't have the time today to to cover a lot more. But as Victoria said, um, yeah, if you're interested, just head over to her website, get in touch with her, contact her. And, uh, you know, just run with it. I think it's a fascinating concept. Uh, and, you know, it's it's funny that you mentioned, mentioned social proof. Mm. Um, you know, a couple of years back, 
when I, you know, when I was actually thinking about the ideas that led to me starting this platform, Eventable, um, you know, I had no idea about event psychology. I didn't even know mm. it was a thing, right? Uh, and my main motivation was that you know I had traveled a long way to get to uh, to get to the Dreamforce event in San Francisco, California, which you know as you know every year is put up by Salesforce. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know before I got there, uh, I wasn't able to read any reviews. Mm -hmm. You know, and I was curious. You know, what are what are marketers like me thinking? Right. Right. Why why aren't there any reviews about this event? Right. right? And we live we live in an economy today which is so review driven. You know, before you order a pizza. Uh, you know, you order a book on Amazon, you read read reviews, you know, you go you go to a holiday, you would look up a hotel review on TripAdvisor. Yeah, um, and going and on the other side of the world, right? Just without... And going on the other side of the world. And, you know, we are living in a world filled with these where you're continuously asked to rate and review things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so my big question was, you know, why not events, right? Why can't people make participation decisions for mm -hmm. events by reading uh, peer reviews? It just makes so much sense. Right. Especially, you know, the cost yeah. of events before the pandemic for the live events was going up to fifteen hundred dollars, two thousand dollars. And it was bizarre that, you know, you, you just couldn't read reviews and, and, and you had to make the decision of a very limited yeah. set of data that was presented to you. Right. So that was really the motivation, um, you know, for starting my platform. And and, you know, it meshes so well with the concept of social proof that you've mm -hmm. been talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and that's what I found, uh, you know, pretty remarkable when I first, you know, came across your body of work, etc. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, now it all it all just fits in, you know, what, what Victoria has Absolutely. been saying, and, you know, what we've been trying to do now, you know, there is some verbiage around it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and let me just share a couple of slides, um, mm -hmm. you know, for the folks watching. So they have a better idea of what it is that we're doing and how we can help them take forward some of the concepts uh, being mentioned here by Victoria. Uh, so, Victoria, as you know, Eventable is the name uh, of, of our platform. And uh, what we've been trying to build since the last couple of years really is, is the TripAdvisor for events, right? A review platform. We are now the world's first review platform for events. And it's pretty easy to think of it as a TripAdvisor, right? It's, it's very simple. We invite and solicit reviews from attendees, from speakers, sponsors, uh, in the hope that future attendees might want to refer to them. Uh, you know, so we started out addressing a couple of problems. One is how do attendees discover events today, right? And we found that that process is fairly broken. Most people learn about new events, you know, either through something that pops up on their LinkedIn feed or their Facebook feed, or they come across an advertisement somewhere, you know, or it's a word of mouth thing. And, you, you know, when a friend says or a water cooler conversation, when someone mentions that, you know, you might want to check out this event. So there is no efficient framework in place. It, you know, it's not a very intentional activity, right? It's very ad hoc. It's very random. Uh, you know, it's very cluttered. And people aren't really aware that there might be a better event for them around the corner, right? And they don't have a framework to find these events. And on the other side, event profs, event marketers and organizers are spending money on advertising, um, you know, on marketing campaigns. And that money necessarily is not always translating into long-term brand value. Right. It's a very transactional, short-term thing. You know, you want attendees, you, know, you spend some money here. But the question is that how, how can, an, how can uh, an event organizer really start to think about building a long-term brand? Right. And that's, uh, you know, that's where the importance of reviews and social proof, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's where it really comes in. And this is why we really built Eventable from the ground up to address some of these concerns. Right. So as I mentioned before, we are a review platform. We allow attendees, speakers and sponsors to provide reviews of their event experiences. Uh, and quite simply, these uh, reviews then help the events get scored, algorithmically scored, and then rank for a certain category. 
right? So very simple. So the good events surface to the top, right? And and it helps them then attract, uh, you know, the audience. Uh, here's you know, a couple of the things that we provide at the back end. Uh, event organizers can download ratings badges for their particular events, put them on landing pages, you know, and the event sites. Uh, so basically what you want to what you want to say is that, you know, we are not the only ones uh, saying that, you know, we put on a great show. Our attendees are saying it, right? That's social proof. That's social proof. And it's coming from a third party neutral site. And that's very, very powerful, right? And we've built an entire backend for event organizers to operate on their own. It's very simple. Uh, you know, in one place, they have an idea of how the events are doing, how they're being perceived by people, and they can take control of the entire brand, the entire exercise, right? So ultimately, and quite simply, if you've done the hard work, and you put on a great show, you want to get the word out, right? right? If you're an event organizer, you want to get the word out, right? Yes. And which is what we've really built Eventable to do. Uh, you know, so you start by creating your account on Eventable, you work with us to source the reviews, uh, and then you just let the magic happen, right? Mm -hmm. uh, finally, you take these little badges, you put them back on your websites, uh, and you start showing your community, you start showing your audience, you start showing the world uh, that this is really what our attendees think about us. We've mm -hmm. been rated highly for networking. We've been rated highly for learning and development. We're the number one event in our category. And it's not just us saying it. It's our attendees who've sort of reviewed us and, you know, uh, rated us and which has led to us ranking so well. And, um, you know, I'm happy to really chat with any event organizer watching this right now. Um, you know, just, just book uh, a chat with me. I'm happy to take you through the platform in detail. And as you can see, you know, we've got a bunch of event uh, companies and brands already using the platform, you know, right from WBR to Mobile Growth, Informa, AdWorld, you know, Third Door Media. There's some big names who, you know, who've, who've realized early that uh, reviews are a good thing. Transparency is a good thing, mm -hmm. right? Getting the word out is a good thing. You know, it might not always, every review doesn't have to be positive, right? Of but course. um yeah, and just getting the voice of your attendees out there in, in an authentic way. I mean, that is what is going to help you grow your brand. And that is what is going to help you create a sticky community. Right. right. Well, I, think, I think it's amazing, you know, uh, it, it solves so many issues on different levels, you know, because this is a tool where you can both, um, you know, provide the feel of authenticity and help the yeah. event attendees problems. Like mm -hmm. you don't want to commit going, you know, to an event, uh, you know, on the other side of the pond without right. even knowing what it is about. Right. And, right. you know, paying for the ticket, paying for traveling or, yeah. you know, whatever it might be the case, but, um, it definitely helps event attendees, but also it helps event organizers to right. kind of show their credibility, right? And um, I think you know what was what was word of mouth earlier. Uh, you know, in in the old days, you yeah. know, when there was no internet, is has become like an online review now. Yes, right, because mm -hmm. you know. Earlier, you know, you would wait for a friend to tell you something and then you would, mm. you know, take that, you would trust that, you know, simply people yeah. want to trust other people, right? Absolutely. It's as simple as that. And, yeah. you know, instead of now, instead of trusting the word of a friend, they can go online and see what other people yeah. like them are saying, what they're yeah. thinking. So it's, yeah. it's a very simple premise. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I hope that, um, you know, the audience watching today, Victoria has learned something new, um, both about Miti events and about Eventable uh, please free to get in touch with both of us if you'd like to continue the conversation. We're always happy to chat. We're both on LinkedIn. 
Uh, thanks a lot for your time. Thanks a lot for your time, Victoria. Pleasure talking to you as always. Thank and you. Hope, hope to do it again. Mine. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was great to see you and to have this chat. Thank you. Bye. Bye.